0: In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman, I'm Mark Marble, and this is The Lantern Cast.
1: Episode 367.
0: That's right, we are talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. We have both seen the film, and we uh, figured we'd do a, big, a bit of, I was, I was going to say commentary, but it's not a commentary track. We're going to comment on it. <laughs> this is not a comic commentary track. That's what we're gonna do. Um, but hey, as always, Mark, you're the movie guy, so the reins are passed over to you, man. Where, where do you want to start with this thing? Where how it's doing compared to the old movie? Just the contents of the film, uh, box office. What do you what do yeah, you want to do? Well, since you
1: gave me leeway and since I have the site open, yeah, let's 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 momentarily talk you know, box office for this. That uh, obviously it's it's off to a pr- I like – I find it interesting that you know some people have been spinning this like it hasn't been doing particularly well, which I find really, really interesting because it makes no logical sense whatsoever because I guess technically because it only did like $94, $95 million during the three-day weekend last week that somehow people said, oh, but well, you know, it, – it just doesn't – one of those things that just makes you want to scratch your head and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because – yeah, it only made 90s 90, like 94, 95 million dollars Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But the friggin' movie opened on Tuesday, <laughs> and there were no Monday night previews for it, so it opened on Tuesday. So when you so when you add up what it you know when you add up what it actually did, I mean it, I mean, I mean, as we speak, as we well, actually that's the number I'm looking at actually is, in, is inaccurate because it did now there we go. As of t- through Tuesday's box office, it made two hundred it's made two hundred eleven million dollars so far domestically. So that's that's nothing to sneeze at. It it opened up to a little over thirty nine million dollar Tuesday, and then had a twenty seven five Wednesday, a twenty five seven Thursday. So when you add in all that extra money, that basically it made it made almost as much money as it made over the weekend. It all it pretty much made about the same amount of money from Tuesday through Thursday. So I think it certainly it certainly has a lot of it's off to a good it's off to a good start considering that you know the I mean Spider-Man Far From Home made a good amount of money it did make a tremendous amount of money I mean excuse, I mean uh, Homecoming it made a it made 334 million dollars total domestically so considering that Far From Home is already at 211 it's it, the odds are overwhelmingly in favor that Far From Home is going to make more money uh, domestically than and overseas. Homecoming made 880 million point two, and Far From Home is already at 603.8. So the odds are also overwhelmingly in favor of Spider-Man Far From Home beating homecoming and as some people have thrown out which is to me another useless conversation the idea of oh if it doesn't make if this movie doesn't make a billion dollars then technically sony can opt out of having marvel have any role in S- spider-man 3 which makes no sense whatsoever because you really think even if this movie doesn't make a billion dollars do you really think sony's going to not is going to back out now why? Yeah. <laughs> are, are they not benefiting tremendously from? I mean, this is a this movie as we when we talk about it in detail is a golden example of how they benefit from being tied to the MCU. Because now, obviously, if they were not tied to the MCU, the whole plot of this movie would have been different. There's no doubt about that. But just look at the movie we got and how much of it is all revolving around the MCU versus basically. Versus even Spider-Man's own world, his own – the characters that they actually own versus the characters that they don't own. So it's – and I, I just think it's, a, it's one of those things people like throwing out there just because there's a clause that somebody can uh, exercise if they want to doesn't mean people are going to do it. I think, it's, I, I think it's pretty clear-cut that Sony and Marvel are going to the, re-up their deal, and it makes no sense for Sony to back out now anyway because I think technically speaking, the only part of their arrangement that's still – the only movie left in their original deal is Spider-Man 3 because I think Tom Holland was only contracted for three Marvel movies, MCU movies, which you would have already met that obligation with Civil, with civil War and the two Infinity movies. So I think there's only one. I believe there's only one movie left, and that's the actual Sony movie. Even Tom Holland's going to have to re-up his deal because I think he was only contracted for those for those six movies anyway. I believe. But it's it's doing you know it's doing really really well. It's off to a good start. I don't think that's a surprise. I think the fact that this was heavily pushed and once we saw the movie, it made perfect sense why this was the actual end to Phase Three. When most people. This this certainly makes much more sense that this is the end of Phase Three than when than when like Ant-Man was the end official end of Phase Two, which really didn't mm-hmm. make as much sense. This actually does make sense because everything that happens in this movie, and you know, the shadow of not just Tony Stark but the Avengers as a whole just hover over this movie, so it, it makes perfect. So I, yeah, and I also don't think if Marvel didn't really feel confident about where what what the future was going to be, I don't think they would have structured this movie the way they did. I somehow suspect they would not have, since they definitely had creative input in this movie. I don't think they would have done that if they really thought that, oh yeah, Sony's going to bail and go home. So that's so that's pretty much like I guess that's the box office component. The over, I think I I enjoy I, I did enjoy it. There's some really cool things in it. I did think the first like. Thirty minutes or so was pretty slow. I thought it was pretty slow mm. because there wasn't a whole lot. That's when there was a lot of setup. It was more and funny stuff, mind you. There was some funny stuff in it, but but that was more with P, you know, Peter and Ned and and everybody else and their their little teen angst and exploits before you really get into the whole bulk of the action part and and how it ties in. So before. So before before we going into any details, that's that's my general view. I'd say I I I watched actually I watched Homecoming again the the other uh, last night or the night before. I think I do like this better than Homecoming overall. But much like Homecoming, I think was saved a lot by Michael Keaton. He made that movie really really good because he was so good in that role. So I think overall I like this movie a little better, even though it may have. The, the slow part may have been a little slower. I, then the slow parts in it may be, actually they may be comparable. They may be more evenly paced in home com- in uh, homecoming. But I would say I like this one a little bit better.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with you uh, mostly because it, it was uh, it was an unexpected film for me. And I don't mean that you know that it wasn't predictable in spots or, or anything like that. I just mean like you know it it it's totally not necessarily what you would expect from a Spider-Man film um not drastically uh, I don't mean it like it was a, an utter shock the, the 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 departure in terms of tone but it definitely had its own unique flavor and feel um that I wasn't necessarily expecting you you kind of got a feel for it in the in in the trailers but not necessarily to the degree that the film actually uh, imparts and I'm not sure what I would label that tone as but um you know more serious more adult more you know the stakes are are high sort of a situation I guess but um it was definitely it was definitely enjoyable um I mean there's no shockers and obviously guys spoilers spoilers spoilers. but like um you know the, the the fact that Mysterio was the bad guy was not shocking in any way shape or form I like how long they played with it uh I like how long they kept the uh the illusion up, I guess. Uh, But I'm bummed. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely fun. Uh, Mysterio's costume was great. Uh, The way they, they incorporated it into the rest of the uh, MCU, not in terms of like going forward, but like, you know where the where Mysterio's illusion tech came from. You know how did he work on it. You know and, and all the people involved in that, how they tied that into the larger MCU and stuff like that. That was that was really cool. Um, kind of the duality of Tony Stark's legacy. Um, that was a cool thing for them to play with. Um, I do like how they kind of. Uh, Kept it open-ended uh, in terms of the elementals, you know, like uh, there's a moment at some point in um, in one of uh, – I think one of the scenes inside the hotel where uh, Flash, I think, is reading an article online about the origins of Hydro Man the the real Hydro Man like from comics, um, and uh, you know obviously the Hydro Man the the Fire Guy the Cyclone all that stuff, Molt uh, well, Man uh, rather and uh, not, not the Fire Guy and uh, you know all those are illusions but they you know because of you know uh, because of uh, Flashes digging around online. You know, they still kind of leave it open into that there could actually be a Hydro Man, a Molten Man, so on and so forth, uh, in in the in the MCU uh, that they could play with at some point in the future. So I like how they that you know by doing what they did, they didn't really take anything away from the potential future of the MCU. Um, they ending, the end credit scene, and stuff like that makes so many people speculate. The both end credit scenes make people wildly speculate about what's coming down the line um i haven't read this anywhere but i thought it'd be you know i just like let's go as far as we let's go ridiculously far with this if if we're going to reveal the identity of spider-man to the world here what where can we go with it it's like what if they go clone saga <laughs> like what if there would have Ben riley starts showing up and there's a clone peter parker out there you know and 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 that's how he gets off the heat of him being spider-man or something like that i was just like you know that'd be because I, I I have no idea where they could go with it so i I like that it it sort of met expectations in some ways it didn't in others but to the benefit of the film and I liked how it ended on notes where I'm just like yeah I don't know where the hell they're going with this and I'm kind of cool with that i I would I would
1: agree overall I think now again this is we, we kind of talked about this I think last episode that you know there's, when it comes to marketing, you know, there's a difference between we know there's a tendency, especially nowadays, that the scenes end up in the trailers that don't end up in the movie. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're purposely shot for that reason. Sometimes there are things that are deliberately shot just just to be in the T te- and other times it's legitimately a scene that was supposed to be in the movie and just ends up being cut at the last maybe even the last cut. You know, when they're when they're getting ready to do the final cut of the movie, it's the last thing to be snipped out. But Marvel also, uh, if I think more, there's, and don't get me wrong, because clearly I'm a, I've been a huge proponent of Marvel, and they've done an, an amazing job overall, and and or and Feige and everybody else has done overall an excellent job. But the way they marketed this movie again is that, that whole, you know, even though yes, supposedly there still really is a multiverse in this movie, there is no multiverse. <laughs> that whole thing about oh, Mysterio saying he's from a multi you know, uh. You know the snap, you know tore a hole in the in the snap, tore a hole, blah 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 blah. That's not in the movie. The whole thing about the snap tearing a hole is not it's not in the movie. Uh, so again, I think Marvel is really walks that is on the verge of walking that fine line. There's there's a difference between just being like ha 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 we're doing this on purpose just to so, just to screw with you as opposed to well we're doing you know we don't want to get we don't want to tip our entire hand so. It's fine line. I'm, I, I don't want to moan too much about it, but now that we and now that we saw that, and like the, you know, it's like the Hulk thing too. The Hulk in Infinity War trailer with running into battle in Wakanda. This you know, this is I don't know. It bothered me. It bothered me a little just because if they continue to do this, I think it can get can get annoying. Uh, I know what. The benefit is yes, it keeps a mystery to a certain extent about what the, what the movie. What the movie is entirely about, or the gist of it, but in all honesty, in this movie, it doesn't change. It wouldn't change all all that much, you know. Even even if quote unquote Nick Fury really believed uh, Quentin Beck, you know, was from another another Earth, and that the reason why he's able to travel is because something related to the snap, whichever snap it happened to be. The reality is. Would it really have changed what we saw in the movie? At the end of the day, would it have changed the outcome of the movie and, and who Mysterio really was in the revelation. No, it really wouldn't have. So, I just think that's something going forward. I think they may want to be careful with, because I, I think that could turn. I could think that could turn some people off. Some people obviously will get off on it and think it's cool because they're, they keep you guessing.
0: Well, I think, you know, because, you know, the unique interviews are all the rage right now in terms of uh, viral marketing. You know, like uh, a lot of people doing hot ones, that that hot uh, chicken wing challenge um, thing uh, to promote stuff, this, you know, that go, tends to go viral. Um, another thing that's going viral is, um, like, uh, I don't know who does it, maybe BuzzFeed or somebody like that, the puppy interviews where, like, people will sit down on the ground and then they'll, they'll do an interview with them while a bunch of puppies are – you know, playing around, play, play, playing around on the ground with the, with the actor. Um, in this case, they had uh, the actor who plays Ned. Uh, uh, they had Tom and they had Zendaya all on the ground with the puppies. And, you know, the interviewer asked Tom about the, you know, uh, the, the missing scenes that were, you know, in the trailer. And Tom mentioned something to the effect of there's supposed to be a short released at some point um i whether that's part of a dvd extra i don't know um uh, and just for home video release or if it's kind of its own thing uh released uh on social media or you know i don't i don't know um but tom uh, um you know mentioned that there are plans to do something with that. Unlike, you know, if you were to bust out your Infinity War Blu-ray and look at the deleted scenes, you know, Hulk running or busting out of the the Hulk armor, that's not anything you ever end up seeing. So in this particular case, uh, I guess they're going to do something with that missing footage, um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what the the plan is.
1: And it's and it's not treme- it's not tremendously important. It's just it's just one of those things that I tend. To, I just know I. When they when the move when I was watching the movie it was something that I consciously thought of the fact that oh this is the same scene we saw in the trailer but that little piece of, added piece of dialogue is con, is conveniently missing and I just think that I just think going full I it's just a way you know I try to look big picture sometimes too and how other that if, if other people have that kind of reaction even if it's a small percentage if it keeps happening it could it could be an issue of people really believe. They are, you know, deliberately mis, you know, deliberately misleading. And 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 there's and there is a way, you know, there's, there's a way to do that. There's a way to, depending on the movie, and especially. It's it's obviously very effective if you have no history of doing it, <laughs> that to do a one time like we really want to we really want to fool people into what this movie is into thinking it's something other than it is or to think people this is the bad guy in the movie and it's not and obviously that that was never going to work in this movie because we know Mysterio based on his track record in all likelihood he was going to be the, you know the, the bad guy of the movie. We didn't know how that you know obviously how why he was the bad guy, that was unique because obviously they. They, that was, an, that was the, an MCU addition to the movie, tying his tying all that into Stark, back into <laughs> the to yet another disgruntled Stark employee. Not just one, obviously. Uh, he he was the major one. <laughs> Quentin Beck was the, the was the primary mover, you know. The but but it was kind of cool bring, bringing Peter Billingsley back as the scientist from Iron Man. Uh, that was that was kind of a nice touch too, uh, as one as one of the disgruntled former Stark employee, uh, working, now working basically to, uh, get, get their revenge in a, in a post-Tony Stark world. The fact that Mysterio is the one who created the barf technology, uh, and was mortified at it being labeled the barf technology, (laughs) which you would understand. You would, I mean, come on, how, how, have you, have you created, created something that, that awesome, and then, you know, you know, uh, Captain would, uh, Mr. Stark there and his ability, to, and he loves his acronyms, the uh, Captain Acronym, to just uh, come up with these weird names. Even like, like, like Edith, right? Like uh-huh. Edith. Uh, now, that was cool. Him uh, Speaking of that, you know, Peter getting the glasses was kind of cool. Uh-huh.
0: Uh,
1: makes you wonder how many pairs of glasses that Tony actually had, because, because the last time we... Well, because obviously we saw Tony wearing a pair of those in Infinity War when he took them off to fight on the... So... The odds are that pair didn't survive. Well, I
0: mean, there was there's an interesting bit of controversy. I read this online, but I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I noticed it independently myself. That's why what led me to the article about it. You know, just the fact that you know it took so much effort, and I I use the the word effort loosely, but it took so much effort to transfer ownership of Edith to uh, Quentin that it was just like when he finally. You know, defeated Quentin and snapped the glasses of, and, and put him on. Uh, he he immediately regained control. I, I mean, it, he clearly transferred ownership. It wasn't just like a hey, add Quentin yes. as an additional user. He said, "I don't want this anymore. I want you to make sure that Quentin is the one in charge of you. Please remove me from your system." So then, how did Peter? you know how did how did peter just you know without doing any sort of hacking or anything that he you know could theoretically you could show him doing as you know he is a smart kid he's you know they they've made that clear in the MCU um, especially in this movie with him geeking out with quentin about the MC, uh, about the idea of a multiverse uh, with him building his suit you know stuff like that they 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 really amp up the how smart peter is as a kid um, in this film, um, so I mean, maybe it was just too much to do something like that. It just it just seemed off that they put so much effort into transferring ownership over to Quentin to just have Peter pick up the glasses and say cancel, you know, without any sort of hacking or I don't know anything like that.
1: I'm not going to lie, I thought of that too when I was watching it. I, I assume the answer is nothing more than there probably was a fail-safe built in that like everything like so many other things that Tony Stark does that he ha- that has he has a built-in fail-safe that what right. theoretically Peter could Peter could transfer it to somebody else but Peter himself is not would not actually lose uh user rights or um administrator rights. Uh yeah, I I also think well, the whole interaction between the glasses between Edith and Peter was funny, especially when he was going to kill what's his face there, Brad, uh, by accident. That was kind of funny. But I do think that I don't know. I kind of partially lost my train, but I'm also torn between going in different directions with this. I I don't know. I just there's just something about the. It's, it's, let's, let me go on this tangent. It's the whole. I mean, ultimately, this is really about the Tony Stark legacy, and it's of this movie on multiple levels is appropriate that it's about Tony's legacy because ultimately, if if you if you go back, almost 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 every villain Tony's ever had has been somebody he 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 basically has created. He has a, had a role in creating every one of those villains, or or his family has had a role in creating all of them. Uh, so it, it is appropriate that once again that now that that is part of Tony Stark's legacy. Part of Tony Stark's legacy is not just doing amazing things and coming up with great tech or, you know, taking other people's tech and modifying it and using it or using it for his own gain too. It's that he, he tends to have that effect. He tends to, and this is why the disgruntled employee aspect of it, I thought, was good, is that he does seem to have that effect on a lot of people. That it's not, it doesn't seem to be an isolated incident. That a lot of people that Tony, that have worked for Tony, not necessarily work with Tony, maybe if you're more on a on a, some, as close to being a level playing field as you can be, if you with somebody who works with Tony, is not very rare. You know, obviously a very small group of people that you, Tony would probably quote unquote allow them to feel like they're on the same level as him. That obviously there's a track record here of Tony kind of alienating people, and so it's the fact that it's not an isolated incident, and that that he could instill that much animosity in people that they would actually try to you know ruin his you know, use his to ruin his own ruin his legacy, and that is part of what this is all about is ruining the Stark. Legacy, which is part of you know the reveal at the end, that, you know the of how Peter how you know Peter's the one who killed an innocent Mysterio and things like that. That that isn't just a stain on Peter; it's also a stain on Tony, on Stark, because of the fact it's that he had access, and basically was given access to the Stark technology. So it's 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 a shot you know at the grave of Tony, of Tony Stark. And you know, basically Tony helped create Mysterio because of the way he used the technology and the way he treated people and everything else. And even even with him being gone, now it's Peter as you know as the symbolic successor of Tony Stark. That he has to basically still, even in death, now he Peter has to deal with the ramifications of Tony Stark Tony Stark's decisions kind of like what Happy said that you know that he, he was my best friend but he was you know but he was a mess <laughs> so that no one could live up to Tony even Tony couldn't live up to Tony so i, I thought that i thought that was i thought that was interesting obviously we what the what the post Tony Stark world is going to be like with regards to the to the tech and how much of that tech still exists, and, how, and who's going to be in charge of that tech? I couldn't help but think in this movie also when we're talking about oh, uh, I mean, now let me finish this thought. Sorry, uh, the idea that what is in in the world of the of the of the snap slash blip, now that all that's resolved, what world do we live in, and regarding the Sokovia Accords? And the Avengers' role in the post-blip world, because we really don't know that, and, and obviously that it, we were we were not supposed to know that yet. That's one of the reason. That's one of the big mysteries going forward. Not just who are the Avengers, but what role do the Avengers play going forward? But I couldn't help but think of that when when they were going to London to do the you know the final you know the final monster, if you will, that they had to, that monster in quotes, of course, to uh, the Mysterio was going to vanquish. And he just basically had to wait for a certain period of time just to feel confident that the Avengers were not going to show up. Some of the Avengers. So, I like, who is in charge of the Who is in charge of the Avengers now? Who is actually running the team? Who is the team? Do they still have to answer to Do they still have to answer to Ross and other people? I don't because we were never definitively given the answer whether Ross was snapped. I assume Ross was snapped because I don't think Black Widow would have been able to r- basically be running the Avengers out of the upstate New York headquarters if Ross was still alive. Uh, You'd like to think he'd be rational enough to realize what happened and maybe he'd come around, but it's Thunderbolt Ross, so he's he's he, <laughs> he is the ultimate dog with a bone. So you can't necessarily think he. So I'm just kind of assuming he got he got snapped away, but it's the you know it's the you know it's the post it's the post you know. Thanos post snap blip world and what that actually means, which kind of plays into the joke at the joke at the end with uh, with Talos and everybody that, that I don't I didn't know what to say when they asked about like the Avengers and where the Avengers were <laughs> that, because because we don't know that either it's like it's like an, it's kind of like an inside joke in that part that he's not privy to that information though you think he would because he has contact with Nick Fury and you assume Fury knows the answer to that but if, as an audience that it's appropriate because we're probably thinking the same thing we're we're the avengers we just know that thor is not around which we knew and we know captain marvel is not around which makes perfect sense but what about you know what about falcon and what about scarlet witch and and all all and all, everybody who did everybody who did come back but yet they're not responding in a you know to any of these you know emergencies so it you know it does you know it does make you wonder to me, anyway, that that was one of the things that popped into my mind too about the, about you know, the the role that the Sokovia Accords and the supervision of the Avengers. How does that how is that modified if it has been, you know, since the snap and everything? Yeah. because um, let's see. Uh, I thought I thought Hall was really good. As Mysterio, yeah. he did. He certainly did a really good job of selling Mysterio as a likable guy, uh, and he did, of course, have the. It's a little all. I believed it, but it's something we get all the time. So it's 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 becomes a cliche after a while when you have the villain, when you have the villain who makes goes out of his way to say, "I really don't want to do this." It's like, "I really would like not to have to do this, but I still have to kill you, pretty much, nonetheless." But I really don't want to do it. I hope you realize, I you know, it's. I I believe, and to a large extent, I did believe him. But I it but it be, it's becoming really cliche for 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 villains to do this. Like I just like why are you making me do this? Or I don't want to do this. It's just so that I. But he was. But I do like how they used the tech and how they and they how how they answered the question. Of, okay, if it's all illusion, then how come real damage is being done? So they basically it's the start. You know the the drones and everything that were being used to to do that so i thought that was i thought that was pretty clever and the fact that they made mysterio as we already knew from the trailers look like pretty much like mysterio that uh-huh. was great that was a nice that was a nice touch because we know we wouldn't have got that you know if it wasn't the mcu and it was like 10 years ago somewhere else we would not have gotten that you know which is why you keep your fingers crossed, and when we do get the Green Goblin, that maybe he will actually kind of look like the Green Goblin. <laughs> finally, finally. Uh, so, and it was I guess, on that level. I mean, I already knew about I already knew what the credit post-credit scenes were, but the the idea of him pulling, you know. Doing one final illusion, if you assume, if you really believe that he's dead, doing one final illusion that would, of course, get Peter, you know, that would snag Peter and everything else. That that was a appro- that was appropriate. It does kind of set things on the unfortunate course that is typical for Spider-Man being wanted. Uh, at least, I mean, some of the cops on the ground, some of them may not. It depends on the issues. I mean how they viewed Spider-Man but Spider-Man obviously for the majority of his career you know in comics was has always been viewed as a, like a mass vigilante a bad guy because of J Jonah James, Jameson and all this you know all the libel and the slander and everything and the one-sided news reporting I did I like I said I knew about the Jake you know the JK Simmons return going in so that was I wish he kind of still looked like I wish he looked like the old J Jonah Jameson, though, that'd have been cool. But I guess it, I guess it, it works probably a little better that he doesn't. Again, almost like again, any multiverse concept that it's still
0: well, they were, and they're also they're also playing with the fact that it's not like a newspaper anymore. They're they're making him. I mean, it, it's it's pretty obvious they're making him that universe is sort of Alex Jones. So that's sort of that, but maybe not maybe not as like university reviled because but they did say at the very beginning before they broadcast jemma's little announcement and everything uh but they said like that this news was broken on the controversial or or something to that effect uh you know online webzine or or whatever that whatever they called it but they they said the word controversial or, or or something like that so uh, and plus the way they they framed it, the way, the way the logo for the the Bugle, net or whatever,
1: uh, yeah, it's dailybugle.net.
0: It, yeah, dailybugle.net. Uh, the logo is a lot like the Infowars logo and stuff like that. So they're, they're 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 very clearly doing this sort of Alex Jones thing. So it also makes you wonder. One, how trusted is this news? Um, uh, two, uh, you know, is is this going to be hotly debated to the point where no one's going to really take it take them, take as much action as you would necessarily think given the source of the information? Um, you know, I, I, what, how is it going to come into play? Are we ever going to get you know photographer Peter Parker? Uh, this also kind of lends to the idea like because this is something that's been happening in the comics as well as. Uh, I haven't played it, but I've seen my brother-in-law play it. It's something that's happening in the um, the this, this popular Spider-Man video game. Uh, the that the idea that the Daily Bugle is no longer a newspaper. That you know Jonah has his own podcast, like I think in the um, in the in the video game universe. Uh, And his own online site or or podcast or something like that in the comics now. So they're sort of steering into the more modern and away from the actual newspaper idea. So maybe – Parker is going to be like a a videographer instead of a photographer. I I don't know. So you know, there's 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 a lot of what ifs just on the idea that it's turning from newspaper to sort of online zine. That it might be some sort of infowars ripoff, you know, sort of a thing. Um, So there's there's a lot of implications made just in that that few moments. Not just the fact that they're outing Parker's identity, but 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 the actual context of it can can throw a lot of loops in there as well.
1: Yes, and that, so it opens. I mean, that that opens it up to a whole because you were kind of getting a as happy an ending as you could get considering the circumstance. Which, of course, if you know Spider-Man, that's really that's almost impossible to, for it to really be that way because it's right. just not. It's unf- It's just the nature. You know, it's just the nature of Peter Parker and 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 part of the uh, cross he has to bear that, that he's just not really. I mean, it's true for many superheroes, to be honest with you, but it's but it's so, such a part of of the Spider-Man Peter Parker lore that you're not that you kind of on one level you kind of knew that he couldn't really something has to happen to make it a little to make it more dismal and dark considering it it just things tended to you know seem to go his way you know we got the gla- you know we got the glasses back you know he saved he saved London you know he, you know. MJ knows who, you know. They kind of, they kind of have their moment, and we're coming together and everything else. And so, I, some, so something, you know, something had to give. So this opens up a hole because the fallout from that is is going to be huge. Because first of all, my, my initial thoughts were like, first of all, where the hell is he going to go? Because maybe that feeds into into the third title, so to keep to keep home somewhere in the title. That maybe that's going to Maybe that's going to factor in because of the fact that he, it's not like he can just probably go back to his apartment now. Uh, so, what, so the question is, what what is he going to do? I mean, is it, is he going to be like permanently on the on the run? Is he kind of kind of be, going to be aided essentially by Happy and Pepper to be on the run? Is he going to be aided by Nick Fury? Uh, so what so what is going to what that is one of the major questions that's left with the ending like that. What because his his life. His life, assuming they don't kind of give you an out. Of course, with the scrolls being reintroduced, there's an easy out right there to have Peter Parker appear at the same time as Spider-Man, or vice versa, to try to disprove, you know, disprove that. Since luckily the, the new the news, you know, the quote-unquote news video did not ha- actually show Peter Parker without his mask on, Spider-Man without the mask on. It's so so the, you still have a gray area to say, well, that's 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 BS probably. Now they may have footage because obviously Mysterio was, was Mysterio was with him a lot, with, but he didn't have his mask on, so it's not like they couldn't possibly have that footage also recorded. And but it does open the possibility, yeah, they can use the scrolls to try to maybe get him, get Peter off off the hook. But you got, but how that how the damage control to that story is is a huge thing. I mean, obviously Pepper is going to have to do serious damage control because it's related to Stark. You know, to Stark Industries, you assume whatever the state of the Avengers are, they're gonna probably have to deal with that because Peter is, at the very least, an unofficial member. But you, we know Tony actually made him one. But we don't know. But again, we don't know how that that's standing in a post, you know, in a post uh, snap world, which also raises the question: How did how did how did anybody know? How did either Nick Fury know that? Tony chose Peter Parker and made him an Avenger. Really? Because Tony died before the real Nick Fury came back, and Peter was gone for the five years in the blip. So how? I mean, I guess. I mean, you could make the case. Tony well, I mean, told it, it, it,
0: it. Yeah, Tony's whole pepper, but there's also the idea that uh, floating around out there that it's not just this movie that uh, Nick's been gone. No, I he's know, been, but. So
1: yeah, that's a possibility, but that's but still, the the, the fact is, it was an in Infinity War that Tony made him an Avenger, Peter, and Peter ne- and Tony never interacted with Nick Fury again,
0: hmm.
1: ever, because Nick Fury was gone; he was snapped away, and Nick Fury was on Earth when Tony was away. So that information would have to be gained, you know, unless you know, unless you know Peter, unless that was part of. Part of what came out after Iron Man died and whatever. However, everybody views Cap because it's interesting that they view Cap as gone too. That the idea that maybe some other Avenger knows that because of because of the stories that were told and that's how it's it's it is possible. And or I mean, unless that that could I guess it could have happened from a conversation with Happy and maybe Nick Fury. Doesn't mean because even though Happy was avoiding him, doesn't mean he never had any any encounters with him. He just didn't want to. <laughs> so, so that could that could that could have been something related to related to Parker. That that I guess might might be an easier out uh, since we since Happy obviously knew what you know what Tony. What Tony had done. There's no, so there's no, every reason to believe that he wasn't there. But there's no reason to believe in the five years post, you know, post snap that Tony and Happy never talked about it. Uh, I think that a lot of the Happy. This was probably the best Happy performance, though. I think this is John Favreau's best work, though, as Happy. He was good. In, he was good in Iron Man too. Not that the movie was good, but he was just. the way he was interacting with, you know, Black Widow was great. But I just thought he was really, really – I thought he was really, really funny here, I, but I, and I liked the way he interacted with not just Peter but Aunt May, but, but Marissa Tomei. I thought that was – of course, you kind of feel bad for him at the end because obviously he seems to view the relationship more seriously than she did, or she's just trying to cover her ass in front of Peter and not make it – because she feels awkward about talking about it. But to me, one of the funniest parts with Happy was when he tries throwing the shield. And it goes like a foot or two. It's like I just can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That just that just made me that just made me laugh out loud. It's like I mean, it's not like you couldn't almost see that coming as a reaction, because of course every time you know when anybody gonna throw a shield, you're gonna think of Captain America anyway. But just the fact that he realized that such a miser- such a miserable failed attempt is like I just can't do that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And the, and the the I mean as 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 cheesy and dumb as it was and I almost hated myself for laughing at it every fucking time. But the Peter Tingle gag, uh, just yeah. it, it kept landing for me and I don't I'm ashamed of it, but at at the same time I was just like eh, whatever. It was just it was funny.
1: But at least they acknowledge Spider-Sense in this movie which people made the point of they never even just really touched they didn't touch upon it at all in in Homecoming. <sighs>
0: Yeah, they and they 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 teased it in Infinity War. Yes, they
1: teased it, but they visually teased it. But again, there wasn't there wasn't any multiple times actually. in Infinity War, since he since he seemingly picked up on you know the Guardians being there before the, that fight occurred, that he sensed that, that something was that they were there.
0: Oh, and and since the fact that he was dusting before he dusted.
1: Yeah, that's true. I never. I guess that is an example. I never took it that way. I just took it. I took that as just he started feeling what he felt because he was, and he he stuck around as long as he did because of how powerful he was in his skill set. That that's why he took a little longer from the time he first started feeling it to actually dissolve. But it's. But it's. Yeah, that could. That is very possible too. It could have been the first inkling. The, the initial inkling was yeah, his spider sense. His spider sense going off. Um, I'm trying to think of major. Th- ma- well, obviously we should talk about the should, the scrolls and what that really means is going to be is really open ended. Uh, the fact that you know that with, with Talos and his wife are back and obviously we're are working with Nick, with Nick Fury's permission and his not.
0: Yeah, the the main thing people are saying is Crease sc- Scroll War, but reversed.
1: Yeah, cause wasn't there talk about like a Cree sleeper cell or something? I thought
0: there there was. Um, um, and uh, well, no, not Cree scroll roll. People are saying secret invasion, but reverse a secret invasion of Cree, not of scrolls. Right. Yeah.
1: Plus, it's, I mean, plus it's always. I mean, let's be honest. Now, if the, if the scrolls are more plentiful and everything else, we there's always a possibility there's going to be a rogue faction. Uh, That's true. Who. And some people have speculated that you know the, what Talos' daughter could grow up to be the you know the scroll that end up basically was behind Secret Invasion that maybe she's not happy with, maybe she has a different take on,
0: on what the so was that was that the super scroll or is that something else? No,
1: that's there is, I forget the character's name, but it was a it was a female scroll I think who was who was behind who was behind and she's the one who I think inf- infiltrated the the Avengers yeah. that I th- but she was the one I think who was behind the whole secret invasion so some people have speculated since they never named their daughter in captain marvel that maybe this is going to turn out to be that character and she's going to have a different view on the scrolls and their role in the universe than her mother and her father do so so there's there's always that possibility of course you know that end scene raises tons of possibilities and questions of, like how long has nick fury been in space what is he actually doing With the scrolls, obviously a lot of people raise sword. Mm -hmm. That's that's what that really is. You know, basically alluding to. But again, yeah. But it makes. But now naturally, especially because of what we, the stuff that was in Captain Marvel, how he he made a point of saying nobody calls me Nick, right? That that's a red flag. And Maria Hill has called him Nick multiple times, including when he, including at the end of Infinity War before they faded away, that she called him Nick. Now, that could have been a heat of the moment kind of thing uh, but but then again you could also see she called him sir a lot so you can that becomes second nature to you you would say sir maybe not nick too so that some so so the question may not just be how many times has nick fury been a scrawl the question is has maria hill maybe been a scrawl the whole time uh, oh. because we don't, we don't we really don't know we really don't know and you also go back, and I think there was another thing people have said that when he made that comment about again, because things tend not to be throwaway lines about how he can't eat toast if it's cut diagonally. But suppose yeah. when they were eating, when they were eating in the in the kitchen in in Ultron, supposedly he was cutting that bread or sandwich into like triangular pieces when he was mm-hmm. eating. So some people have speculated that that also clearly implies now, based on what we know from not just the end of this movie, but again what he said in Captain Marvel, that that may not have been really. That may really not have been uh, Nick Fury either. Um, so that that opens the door. I mean, obviously that we assume that blank is going to be filled in as more and more time goes on. But it, but that's, but it's clever. It's clever, and it adds a lot of texture and a lot of layers, and it, and it and it opens the door for a lot of things. About, I'm not gonna lie. There was part of me that was kind of hoping we were gonna see a Goose. On the space station, but then again, he's working with scrolls, so when you think about that, that wouldn't really be a natural match, since they
0: everybody panicking. Yes, the, the yes,
1: Flurkin. Yes, because they because they hate they hate Flurkin so much. If it was a diff if it was just a, a human occupied space station, then maybe. And then to be and honestly, we don't really know if Goose is still alive. We really don't know. I mean, we don't know what the life expectancy of a Flurkin is, and it's been a long. If if he lives anywhere close to what a cat's supposed to live, then obviously he. Goose probably is dead since that was like when when, when when did that movie supposed to take place? 95, 94, something like that. So either way, it's a long ass you know it's a long ass time ago. So depending on his life expectancy, he could be gone. But the scroll thing it does open up a lot of possibilities. Both of these end scenes were very meaningful and and with the ramifications that they could have going forward and will have going forward to the. To the, throughout the MCU, so that's why again this was an appropriate end to, fa- to Phase Three. I think that was I think that was well designed, doing the ties, the direct ties between Iron Man and and Peter, which were important, obviously. Uh, hopefully, and it, it also just kind of raises the idea that Peter is that while Peter is also the heir to Tony's throne, at least symbolically, he again like we talked about earlier that he's He's going to maybe, perhaps, continuously have to deal with the negative ramifications of what Tony did in his life. That all these things are going to be coming back. All these. Well, I just, are going to-
0: I, I just, I just like the idea that the the theme of this movie, if you really think about it, is just oh, legacy. Yeah um you know sure it's you know tony it's it's primarily focused on tony but they keep asking where are the avengers where are the avengers and then they do the montage uh you know the 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 high school montage of who died (laughs) uh with getty image watermarks and all that but you know uh you know you've got vision you've got cap you've got tony uh you know you know all this all this stuff um sorry black widow yeah black widow um you know the i Peter's kind of like the natural way to go in terms of legacy because they obviously set him up as you know kind of a Tony Stark Jr. a lot in in the MCU thus far so it's kind of the best way to go about that theme. But it you know the, by by not just focusing on Peter and his struggles with not just you know I'm not the next I'm not the next Iron Man I'm not I'm not you know and and Happy even says it is like. You know, you can't be, you know, nobody will ever be Iron Man. I I kind of got the feeling that that wasn't just about uh, him. It was just like, you know, Tony wouldn't have wanted Peter to be him. He said he always wanted Peter to be better, but he never said, be a better version of me. Just be better than me. And that just means being you, being Peter, being what makes Peter great and, you know, kind of carrying on. The legacy of what's what's going forward, you know, not not being the next Iron Man, but kind of you know improving on maybe embodying slightly, but in, embodying and improving on what what made Iron Man Iron Man in the first place. Not the not the suit, not but just the, the goals, the ideals, and and the way that they look and deal with the world. The same thing, you know, who's who's going to be the next Cap, and you know what's what's this universe like? Right now, we're just kind of we're in this way place even as fans we don't know what's coming next so we obviously know that the those those disney shows are being filmed you nearly know, we have the winter soldier and um, and falcon show we have the the um, uh, scarlet witch and vision show um we have the loki show uh and then we we know that there's a black widow prequel that's being filmed right now but all of those sort of things deal with 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 legacy and what's what's going to be what's going to be moving forward. So I, I, I kind of like that they this whole film post Endgame was essentially a, a film setting the tone of things by asking the question of legacy.
1: Yes, that's a that's a very good, that's a very accurate and good observation overall. I would say it is. A, it is about legacy and it raises the, and it and it just raises all, like you said it raises all those questions about what what is the legacy going to be along with the idea of what a legacy is that you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to have to put on the same suit as somebody or do the exact same thing the exact same way or because you can take it to the you can be inspired you can be encouraged you can learn from what other people did, but in a way, at the end of the day, you got to be your own person. Mm-hmm. And because we know, I mean, obviously, Sam, is, if he's he would be carrying on and trying to do things. It, in many ways, the way cat he knows the way Cap did and Cap would, but he's still going to be Sam doing it, and he's not going to. And it's that's the same thing with Peter. Peter, Peter, I mean, Peter, Peter could also we we know realistically, Peter could be. Based on his intellect, especially given the uh, the assets, given the technology, that Peter could fulfill a, a very similar role in the MCU that Tony did, depending on he could because of his because of his ability. Because we think about it, the only other character right now who you would think would fit that bill completely would be Shuri, mm-hmm. but we also don't know what the what. Black Panther and Wakanda's ties to the Avengers are going to be, which mm-hmm. makes sense because we know what anybody's ties to the Avengers are at the moment. Uh, obviously, Hank Hank Pym would could do some stuff, but he's still. I, I it's hard to believe he's going to have he's going to completely change his mind on
0: not just Stark, but but just. well, well, I mean don't 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 forget what's coming down the line. Reed oh, Richards.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's who I was going with next. Yeah, Reed. Reed Reed Richards would be the, the next, he would be in a way the next logical successor having, the one that you were going to, if you were going to say the one with any, without any ties to anything we've seen already or Tony, or any any blatant ties, it would be yes, it would be Reed Richards uh, I'm just saying based on the characters that have already been introduced that Peter could fill, could have an important role, just like we don't know what Peter's role was going to be with the Avengers uh, we know I think feige has said that he. Th- I believe he said that he thinks spider-man is the greatest superhero period which a lot of people would tend to agree with not everybody but I th- that he's certainly in the, in the top three or four I think people would say if you'll especially if you look at the, the consistent pe- the consistent list people would probably throw up Superman Batman spider-man probably those three would be up there pretty heavily consistently as the greatest superhero ever created Uh I think so. That's, that's yet another reason why I think it makes perfect sense that the Marvel Sony deal will be will be extended. There'll be another deal, uh, and it's it's. In, I think it's important. It's important to both. I think the the MCU. It's in a way the MCU has certainly invested a lot in Spider Man, certainly in this movie, and in the idea of tying him so close to Tony and going the route that they did in this movie. That it would be tough, it would be tough for them. Not impossible, but if they, if they, let's say they did lose, they lost, you know, the rights to do it, to use Spider-Man again in the MCU for whatever reason. It it would be a void right now because you wouldn't get an because you wouldn't have an explanation, and you wouldn't, and it would, it would be a tougher thing for them to deal with than if so. They really, Sony absolutely benefits from the deal with the MCU, and that is part of the agreement. Like we talked about before, that they get to use MCU characters in their in their movie, and they get to tie their story to the MCU, which of course creates a bigger audience because because now it's people want it. Well, even if people weren't as gung ho to see a solo Spider-Man movie, they will be more now because they know it has ramifications in the MCU, the ongoing MCU story. But the, if they had to pick up without, if they had to pick up tomorrow and not have the MCU in it. Right now, they're actually positioned in a better place, I think, than MCU would be if they lost Spider-Man. I think it would hurt the MCU more right now because they could, could because obviously all the Spider-Man characters still belong to Sony. You could still have Spider-Man on the run. That story could just pick right up. Still have J. James Jameson be a jerk. All that stuff would continue. You just couldn't have any ties to the Avengers or the Star or the Starks. It's like, hey, we bring Game of Thrones into this? How <laughs> Stark. Uh, well, they could continue it on fairly well. You could even you could even make make it part of the story that they, that he is because he's on the run and because he has to has to keep such a low profile. That's why he doesn't have any contact with the people that he normally you would think he would normally have want to have contact with the Avengers and Pepper and Happy. So they could actually do that, I think, relatively easily if they had to. It's Marvel, but I'm again I don't but I don't I think Marvel's bright enough that I don't think they would have invested as heavily in doing what they did and tying Spider-Man into the MCU. Unless this was their own insurance for that, thinking, well, that, again, is their excuse. If Spider-Man stops showing up, and he's become a non-factor for, either indefinitely or for the near future, I mean, either, yeah, indefinitely or just for a short period of time, they could justify it the same way that he's gone underground. So I guess they could, ex- I just expect that to continue, I think. I just think, overall, the illusions were really good. when When, when Mysterio was playing the head games on, peter uh that part that part was really really good and that felt like it was a comic book
0: oh yeah for sure that that felt like straight out of the first appearance of mysterio so it was just just was that amazing spider-man 13 13? i think so something like that
1: but it was just it really was yes it was amazing spider-man 13 that that was really impressive and obviously the you know the, the ultimate you know the ultimate kick to the groom there by having a uh, you know this zombie iron man come out of the grave which I heard a rumor I had I had heard a rumor that there was a scene like that uh, but I also had heard the rumor that there was also like a like a, a zombie cap in there too which based on the way they did iron man they probably could have done something similar without having to worry about needing Chris Evans or or uh, a <laughs> Proper tuning in it. They probably could. They probably could have done either one, even though we know Cap's not dead, really. So, but I, whether, but, but whether Peter Parker or whether Spider-Man knows that is another story. We don't know. Again, we don't. Part of the part of the story is, since seemingly everybody else, the public seems to think Captain America died. So we don't. So we don't know. You know, if any, how many people are privy, you know, to, to the real story and and what it means. Uh, it was, it was real. I mean, it was touching, and I did like the the tone. I liked the fact that overall there was such a strong presence of Tony Stark in this movie. But other than, of course, the flashbacks, that's only time you see him. Other than uh, and the pictures and everything that you don't really see, which is you know, which is honestly to be expected. I think the idea that you don't see like a like an like a hologram or or a, or a recording that he set aside for Peter just in case, you know, just in case it happened to work, uh, which obviously he had contingency plans because he made – but then again, he, the reality is he probably made – he could have made those glasses be accessible to Peter. He could have done that a while ago. That may not have been something that happened even during the five-year absence. He could have done that. They could have technically – Peter could have had access under the right circumstance. Like if something happened to Tony, he could have had access maybe to Edith right after the beginning of Infinity War. We don't know that. We don't know when he really pro- when he programmed that. But he obviously had contingency plans. with the even dead I'm the hero acronym. <laughs> uh, that's typical Tony, was it not? Typical. Yeah, Tonya? for sure. <laughs> but I, I I still like you said legacy, and I do like the fact that pro and con because we do know Tony's legacy is a mixed bag that that in his his desire to save the world and to protect the world he has often created a lot of problems in the process so i do like the hint that that's still going to continue that tony's legacy in a positive way is going to continue maybe not just through peter and happy and you know stark industries and everything else but the but the negative connotations and the fallout from work that 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 tony did and the way he treated people and alienated people and things like that 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 legacy is also going to be potentially haunting people and the, not just necessarily peter but the avengers and maybe pepper and happy and just just generally that that you know the specter of that part of the of the stark legacy is also going to be there so i i i thought that was i thought that was a a nice a nice touch in the movie
0: For sure. All right. Anything else?
1: Uh, Did you like MJ better in this movie?
0: Yeah, but, I mean, that's not saying much. It's not like she had – I mean, really, because I I rewatched Homecoming 2 maybe a day or so after I saw uh, Far From Home, Uh, and MJ doesn't really have as much of a part in that film to begin with. Um, So, I mean, she's just sort of in the background, and her presence is made known, but – so in really anything is better than what we saw in Homecoming. True, and I – but
1: they they did also, obviously, they lightened her character's attitude a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be – if we're supposed to believe part of that was, you know, a post-snap fallout, that maybe viewing things slightly differently or just just the fact that she had been warming towards Peter to begin with and fitting in more maybe, not being such an outcast or feeling like an outcast, that maybe that was a factor. But I do... I thought... I did think their relationship was, was better. Was better in this movie. And I did think that... Going... And that, of course, obviously, that... The ending of the movie complicates that relationship, too. So that that's, that's what is where it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that, too, because now Peter's going to... at these seemingly for a while he's going to be a fugitive until he so, until something helps clear his name uh, so that's going to be all and of course it'll be interesting to see how every you know, everybody responds to that how Flash responds to that <laughs> uh, but I do I and so which which villain which villain do you want to see in the third one Venom. Nate,
0: Venom.
1: so you want Venom in the Spider-Man movie not Spider-Man in the Venom movie I mean, I'd be cool with either or. Well, again, we have to we have to work under the assumption that Marvel's going to have say in what and what the third movie will be. We have to assume that's going to continue. I don't... And then we also have to assume characters that play a bigger role.
0: Ooh. Sorry, I just had an idea. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: That's all right, go ahead. Um,
0: If... If um, he's going to be, uh, you know, a fugitive and and uh, and all of that, if he's going to be hunted,
1: yep. Craven. Cra- I I just wrote down Craven. Craven. Craven is the one you would think would be the natural fit. Not just because of that. I mean, you could also have, yes, you could want to hunt Spider-Man just to hunt Spider-Man. He could be on the payroll of J. Jonah Jameson if you're finally going to introduce Norman Osborn, which I think, third movie, they should introduce Norman Osborn. They don't have to introduce the Green Goblin, but I think it's time to bring Norman Osborn and Oscorp into this now. I think they've stayed away long enough. Third movie I think is appropriate. Like I've said before, I don't really care about all the Dan Slot crap. Norman Osborn is Spider-Man, is Peter Parker's greatest villain. It's not Doc Ock, it's not Venom either. It's Green Goblin. Always has been, always will be, because of the personal conflict between the two, and just every, and the far-reaching ramifications of and and the different aspects of their relationship. Uh, yes, it should, means they should introduce Harry too, since obviously that factors in, and that could be. I, I would have been, I would be okay if they introduced Harry in the movie, and then you get Norman at the very end. Uh, maybe as a, almost as a an after credit scene where Peter meets Norman or something. I'd be happy with that, but I think it's time to to start working on bringing Norman Osborn in, into this. But Craven would be the guy because you could also do Craven and the Chameleon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do because they obviously should work together more times than not, but they don't have to, but they can very easily. And in a movie, they could. Uh, I do think. That would be a natural fit. We've never seen Craven before. If you look at the pattern, which you have to give thumbs up to, that so far in the Tom Holland verse that they've gone with villains, classic Spider-Man villains we've never seen before on film. Went with the Vulture, which I feel on one level I feel bad for Ramy because he wanted to do the Vulture and he got kept and he got screwed over. But of course his Vulture probably would never have looked or been as cool as as the Michael Keaton version. And, and so you have Mysterio. So Craven would be Craven would be natu- would be a natural choice, uh, especially if they want to keep bringing in guys to do the Sinister Six. You know, bringing back classic, introducing classic Spider Man villains would be would be pretty cool. Plus, you think about it, if they end up doing a Sinister Six movie, whether it's on its own. Or as a Spider-Man movie, and they're the villains. I mean, come on, that just opens that just opens the door so readily for a for Spider-Man to team up with somebody else to take on the Sinister Six, whoever it happens to be, somebody from the MCU to bring in another hero to help. With, whether it's, whether it's Black Panther, whether there's so many possibilities of different characters you could team Spider-Man up with to. Could be Spider-Man, Ant-Man, and the Wasp. Could be any, could all these different possibilities. If you're taking on the Sinister Six, would make sure it would be make logical sense that you would have. That would be how you, one of the characters you'd bring in MCU supporting characters for that movie would be another you know, hero in that case because of the fact that to help Peter, you know, even the odds out. But there's a lot, so I I I do like the direction overall they're going. I'm I'm glad they kind of moved away from. What they did in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. So to be fair, they did again. They 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 were going this route too. They just didn't do it as successfully. You know, they gave us the lizard, but of course they waited too long. Too bad we never got to see the Dylan Baker, Kurt Connors lizard that they been they were teasing for multiple movies. Uh, and when and they did Electro, which of course that was a horrible version of Electro. But at least again they did bring in two two classic Spider-Man villains that they hadn't done before. That might. Mu- and that's why, again, they don't. I, I, I have no issue if, – personally, if they wanted to bring Norman Osborn in or the Green Goblin in in, in 3, I'd be OK with it. But I certainly – I suspect they're not going to do that as a major villain, and I think that's probably the better way to go. Just go through the trilogy of making – doing other classic Spider-Man villains.
0: And I think it would make uh, more sense. I, I, another classic would be uh, Scorpion. In
1: Scorpion, we, it's almost a given we're going to see Scorpion. Because of the fact that we technically saw him, just not in a costume, at the end of you know, in we saw him in Homecoming, and they had that whole confrontation with him and Michael Keaton at the end. Mm-hmm. So, which also opens the door potentially that you know, could Michael Keaton not necessarily fight Spider-Man? Could he help? But Sp- I don't know. It all depends on. I mean, they they at least open the door a possibility that maybe you know maybe the Vulture could actually. Help Spider-Man under the right circumstance. You know, maybe if his family's in danger or something, for are they threat? They're threatening his family if he doesn't help, help you know, kill Spider-Man. Then maybe he ends up teaming up with him, uh, which probably would just be be a way for them to kill off the character. Probably, in you know, all likelihood the way these movies go. But yes, I think the, the Scorpion is, and that obviously Scorpion would make sense also because it would have direct ties to J. Jonah Jameson. If they wanted to stick to the comic book origin. People have said all the Spider Slayers, too, Uh, bringing in Smythe, Alistair Smythe. That's a possibility. Craven would seem to be a real natural one to bring in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Craven would be, I mean, unless they're going to, again, that's why it's interesting. The Sony Marvel deal is really interesting because it depends, as long as they have a good relationship, they might be able to negotiate certain things. You know, maybe maybe for to maybe there'll be a, a deal or a clause or or they'll just have a gentleman's agreement like hey you know what we really want to use Craven but we'd actually like prefer to use Craven in like against Black pa- in a Black Panther movie so what do we have to do to do that or what what do you want what do you want us to give you as a character to use in a movie to do that so there's possibility they could do it they could do it they could do, it, they could do an agreement and do a trade a trade like that too uh, or hey we want if you're gonna you can use Craven but we want you to bring in like an a-tier marvel hero in our next spider-man movie to team up with spider-man kind of like what happened with Iron Man in, in homecoming so any I think as long as their relationship is good I think I think it's such a positive for both sides I think any I think all possibilities are open and I think what I started to say was uh, Ven- I think Spider-Man in a Venom movie I think is m- m- is more helpful than Venom in a Spider-Man movie so I think the best bet if they're going to do that if they're going to be interacting together I think I-, I personally would rather see it in a Venom movie I think that's what I would I think I'd like, I would rather see that it doesn't mean it has to exclusively be a one time thing that it just happens one time in a Venom movie and they never interact again I think the first time would be cool to do it in a Venom movie, and I think that certainly would up the ante and up the interest in a, in a Venom movie or a Venom sequel, having knowing Spider-Man was going to be in it. I don't know Venom. I mean, Venom will obviously give buzz to a Spider-Man sequel, but I don't necessarily know if if it needs if it needs that kind of buzz. I think it gets it anyway now because Spider-Man is a popular character. I think they've kind of reestablished Spider-Man as kind of an A tier A tier character after probably the downward spiral that. Box office wise, started with the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but we know cri- uh, fan wise and critical reaction wise, started with uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man three. So I think they've kind of reestablished that. I think they just keep upping the ante with the ties to the MCU. So I think Spider-Man's pretty well set on his on his own. But I wouldn't be against that. But I think it's 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 but I think they I think they kind of again this continuing Marvel's involvement, assuming Marvel is involved in Spider-Man three. They seem to know where they want to go with, these, with the character and, and where they want to move Spider-Man to also help situate him in the MCU. So I don't know – let's say I don't know if Venom really helps that that much. Craven, Craven could. Uh, I certainly think Norman Osborn would, depending on who dep- – depends on who they really want to be their big bads in Phase 4. And, and there's no point – I mean we could speculate, but we'll talk more about it when we do this Comic-Con, post-Comic-Con episode because by then we'll, we'll probably have more clear answers once we know what the, what the movies really are going to be in phase four. Then we can have a little more speculation, especially based on some rumors that have come out. We may be able to, be able to at least have a little more confidence that this rumor is probably more, is probably a lot more likely to be true than maybe this rumor. But, we don't, but until we know more about Phase Four, it's it's hard. But Norman Osborn would certainly be somebody who would be a wise choice to be a, a Earthbound threat, not the cosmic threat, but an Earthbound threat for a, for a phase. Norman Osborn, just like Doctor Doom, would be a natural one to do that. But until we know when they're doing Fantastic Four, you know, it's kind of hard to think that we're going to deal with any of those characters too soon. But I guess we're going to find that out soon, hopefully
0: sure all right you want to tell people how they can reach us
1: lanterncast.com the email is lanterncast at gmail.com you can contact us or find us on uh, facebook and twitter use hashtag GLcast to locate us on either of those itunes and stitcher whichever platform you listen to us on please leave us a positive review and last but not least the voicemail is 708 lantern 708 lantern and let us know what you think and there ain't been a whole lot of that lately
0: That's right. All right, guys. Well, let us uh, let us know what you think about all this. Um, Next episode, we'll be talking about the most recent issue of uh, the Green Lantern. I believe that's number nine. Uh, That's correct. and then after that, obviously, some San Diego talk, too. So if you guys are uh, have some comments on what happened in the Green Lantern uh, number nine, let us know. We'll read those on the air. And then uh, as San Diego stuff comes out, if you guys get super hyped about something, feel free to tweet us at LanternCast uh, and, or send us an email. And, uh, you know, maybe, we'll, maybe we didn't plan to talk about that particular subject matter, and it'll be added to the rocket docket. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk to you later.